Hello and welcome to another installment of Soccer Pints, your one-stop shop for all things American soccer. I'm your host, Will Clark. Well, it's just me back on the mic today, but we still have a lot to talk about as we are nearing the end of the World Cup. After an incredible past few weeks, we are now down to a final with France playing Argentina this Sunday. So today, we are going to talk about some hot news out of the U.S. Men's National Team camp. I'm going to answer a few questions that have come in during the World Cup, and I'll wrap up with my final thoughts of the week. Before I get into the topics, I finally am bringing back the beer features, and I have a great one today. From my hometown of Wilmington, North Carolina, today I've got Mad Mole Brewing, and I have one of their signature New England-style IPAs called Citra Mold Down. This is a perfect hazy IPA at 6.7% alcohol and is always a must-have for me. Now, for those of you unfamiliar to North Carolina, we have some moles that can tear up your yards, but that is not how this name came about. It's a much better story. Mad Mole opened up in 2018 when friends and co-workers Martin DeYoung, Ole Peterson, Chris Warden, and Thomas Varnum decided to partner up and start the brewery. Ole and Martin had been home brewing for the better part of the past decade or more and wanted to share their passion for beer. And by combining the M from Martin's name and Ole's name, they got Mole. Adding mad to Mole is a nod to being a mad scientist, since we all know that brewing great beer is a science and definitely not a guessing game. What is even more unique and awesome about the brewery is that it operates on a seven-barrel electric system, and the entire brewing process is powered by solar energy. Their passion of beer and science allows them to carefully craft a variety of delicious Belgiums, IBAs, and much, much more. And all of their beers have some sort of creative, mole-driven name, like a few favorites of mine like Tunnel Digger, Marilyn Mon Mole, and a new one I tried just the other night called Hulk Mulgan. Their location is incredibly family and pet-friendly. In fact, my wife and I take our three girls there quite often, and while we get to enjoy great beer... The kids get to play a variety of board games that are on site to help keep them entertained too. The staff is always nice and helpful, and as Martin mentioned to me, they are also big soccer fans. Yes, he used the word soccer instead of football. Martin is a big Nottingham Forest fan, Thomas a Chelsea fan, and head brewer Dan O'Farrens a big Arsenal fan. So while I can't agree with them on their club preferences given that I've got my fandom to Man U, I can't agree that they are producing some incredible liquid and using the sun to help make it. It's pretty amazing. So, if you are in the Wilmington area or plan to visit, be sure to add Mad Mole to the list of places you must try. Thanks to Martin and everyone over at Mad Mole for letting me feature you this week. Cheers. Well, unless you've been hiding under a rock the past four weeks, we have just experienced one of the greatest World Cups in history. We have seen some favorites like Argentina and France overcome adversary to reach the final. We have seen the first African nation ever in Morocco make the semifinals. We have had upsets. We have seen powerhouses like Germany and Belgium go home early. It's just been a wild ride. Obviously, the USA were eliminated in the round of 16, so we didn't get to be a part of the past week. But regardless... We have seen some incredible soccer, some incredible passion from fans, and overall, it has united the soccer world, which is exactly what soccer is all about. And while the U.S. weren't playing games since their elimination, they certainly stayed in the news over the past week. And I am not talking about potential transfer news with players. I am talking about 
Greg Berhalter, speaking at a leadership forum and completely airing out dirty laundry to the crowd regarding a certain player in the World Cup squad. At a leadership forum, the leader of the U.S. World Cup team spoke about issues he had within his own team and specifically with one player. What kind of leader does that? What kind of leader publicly tries to tarnish a person's reputation? Well, this happened, so let's talk about it. Twitter was ablaze this past week when the news came out that Greg had come out and stated that he and his coaching staff almost had to send a player home from the World Cup. He said the player had a poor attitude on and off the pitch, and it was affecting the rest of the team. And it was so bad that he gave the player an option to either pick a plane ticket back home or apologize to his teammates and change. The player decided to make amends and apologize to his teammates, started working harder and being more supportive, and ended up playing in two matches. So he stayed professional. You know I have been a part of many teams in my life. I have had some great leaders, some great teammates, and some wonderful times. I have also had terrible leaders, awful teammates, and some really bad times. We all have. But the one constant, the one rule of a locker room that could never be broken was that it all stayed inside of the locker room. If someone had an issue with something, you dealt with it one way or another, and you figured out a way to work through it. But you kept it within the team. You never broke that code. If someone was doing something detrimental to the team, you called them out, you aired it out internally, and you moved on. Greg Berhalter broke the code. Greg Berhalter broke the trust of his team. Greg Berhalter absolutely should be ashamed of himself. Some people have said, well, yeah, but he was speaking off the record, so it shouldn't have been made public. In this day and age, if you are a public figure, if you are speaking at an engagement in front of journalists, you absolutely know it is not off the record and there's going to be reporting on it. He should absolutely be ashamed of what he did. If you don't know the player, it was Gio Reyna, one of our most talented, skilled players within the squad. The player everyone kept wondering, why isn't he getting on the field? Why wasn't he getting playing time? Well, now we know. Gio responded to the reports and defended himself in a very professional, articulate way, I should add. He admitted he showed up to the World Cup with a poor attitude and that he was really struggling. Because before the World Cup, Greg had called him and told him he wouldn't be playing a big part in the tournament and would be very limited in playing time, if at all. I do not condone having a poor attitude or ever letting your teammates down in practice or off the field in any way. However, if I am a 20-year-old kid being called into the biggest tournament in the entire world and my coach tells me I am not going to play and will have a very limited role in the team, I would not only be disappointed and angry, but I would probably respond with a similar attitude. Why even bring Reyna to the World Cup and tell him that before it starts? What is the point of that? Why not just tell him he's going to have to come in, work his ass off, and compete in practice to earn playing time? Don't completely kill his hopes and dreams. Certainly don't air it out in public after the fact. What are you accomplishing by doing that? Gio stated that he apologized to his teammates. He let them know he was 100% committed to the team. He wanted to win. He wanted success. And he would do whatever it takes to help them. They forgave him. 
They moved on in the moment. Geo thought that it was over with and that was it. He was completely shocked, as he should be, that any leader would come out and say what Greg did. There is no repairing that relationship. There will never be any trust between player and coach again. I've seen all sorts of unconfirmed reports about certain players that were upset that Greg even played Geo. I assume those would be MLS-based players who support Greg to the death. Ironically, and I've mentioned this before quite a lot actually, I haven't seen a single European-based player come out publicly to speak in support of Greg. Not once. I've said it before, and I will scream it again and again. Greg absolutely cannot manage this team anymore. If there were questions before about his ability to lead beyond this World Cup, we have our answer now. And if I am a current player and the U.S. Soccer Federation decides to retain Greg beyond this month, I am refusing to come back into camp until a new leader is hired. It is absolutely, diabolically absurd to me that U.S. soccer has continued their support of Greg at this point. Credit to Greg for qualifying for the World Cup. Credit to Greg for getting out of the group stage of the World Cup. He achieved a lot of things in this past four years. But Greg needs to do what many of the other coaches from World Cup teams have done and just step aside and let new leadership come in for the 2026 cycle. But knowing Greg, knowing how arrogant he is, his ego will not allow him to do that. It is time to move on, and there is no coming back from this. Well, with all of the excitement from the World Cup and with spending the past few episodes with my guest host breaking down the performances from the World Cup, I've had a ton of soccer-related questions come in that I want to cover. I will say, it has been incredibly cool to speak to people over the past month about soccer and just talk real-time to them about things, helping people understand the game a bit more, and just overall trying to educate others on it. It's been fun. So first up today, what's been your favorite part of the tournament? And honestly, I've loved it all. I've loved how great all of the games have been outside of the early blowouts with England and Iran and Spain and Costa Rica. Seeing the upsets for me is one of the best parts, but probably my favorite part above all is the drama that unfolds on the group match day three, where teams are literally changing positions within the table throughout each match. A goal this way or a goal that way changes it instantly. Mexico were a victim of it. The entire group of Spain, Japan, Germany, and Costa Rica went back and forth in positioning. Uruguay lost out too. It's hard to explain to the casual person, but it's just incredible how one moment can change everything. And that's why the World Cup is so magical. I've loved seeing Morocco's run to the semifinals. It's just great to see the diversity of the game. You had a South American team playing an Eastern European side in one semifinal, and then a Western European side against an African side in the other. I love seeing Messi face off against his club teammate, Kylian Mbappe, in the final, in his final World Cup appearance. In fact, I have a PSG Messi jersey, which is just too appropriate to wear for Sunday. I've also just loved being able to watch the World Cup with the U.S. in it again. I'm sad it's coming to an end but super excited to see this final and look towards 2026. Second question today, who would you pick as the new coach for the U.S.? And I knew I needed to address this one at at some point. I know Brian and I touched briefly on it last week. 
I think I've made my stance on Greg not being the coach pretty clear after my rant today. I would love a European influence like a Luis Enrique who coaches Spain or Roberto Martinez who coached Belgium. I think our guys would benefit from a different coaching perspective regardless. And I don't know who is the right pick, unfortunately. Will the U.S. Soccer Federation decide to hire another former U.S. player or MLS coach to step in? I hope not. Not right now. There will be a lot of interest in taking over this team. But my worry is that many foreign coaches will want nothing to do with our current executive leadership in the Federation. Third question. Will you be covering Premier League stuff once the World Cup is over? I've had this question come to me multiple times, and the answer is not fully, not regularly. But as long as U.S. players are playing in it, absolutely, it will be talked about. It's a top league in the world. Loads of talent playing in it. But the purpose of Soccer Pints is geared around American players and soccer. Moving on, next up we have who have the best non-U.S. players been at the World Cup? There have been a few. I could name several, but I'm only going to highlight a couple. My pick for best player of this entire tournament is not Messi. It's not Mbappe. Both have been fantastic and are absolutely on this list because they've been playing at their absolute best. But for me, Antoine Griezmann has been so superior. He is such an underrated player, such an underrated teammate. He does so much work off of the ball. He takes away other teams' players. And some of the work he does is not even noticed or even recognized. But he has been incredible to watch. He's made such a difference for France, and he's really helped propel them into this final. Others on my list, Luka Modric, one of the best midfielders to ever play the game at 37 years young, still was a force in leading Croatia back to the semifinals. A teammate of his, the Croatian goalkeeper, has been incredible, and he should win the Golden Glove for best goalkeeper in the tournament. Jude Bellingham from England at 18 years old, just dominating the pitch when he's on it outside of against the U.S. when McKinney dominated him. But we've seen so many of the world's best players in this tournament. It's a shame we couldn't see someone like Erling Holland with Norway on the world stage. But maybe for 2026. Up next, what are ways I can stay connected to soccer now that the tournament is over? So surprisingly, I was chatting about this the other day with my friend Eric, and he mentioned the exact same thing, except with a little spin on it. And from that has led to a future topic that we will discuss sometime in January or February, and I'll bring Eric on as a guest host for it. But essentially, how can we continue to grow this sport in America and get some of the casual, you know, every four years World Cup watching fan to watch more, follow more, be engaged more into soccer? It's not going to be easy, nor is it going to be a preference of people to sit down and watch certain matches when they don't know anybody in them. So more to come, but simply, I would suggest starting to watch Premier League matches on the weekends if you can. MLS season is ramping up, so if you have a team you can follow or support, it might create some sort of loyalty there. They do have a new deal with Apple TV, so you'll be able to watch any team that you want, but obviously... Keep listening to Soccer Pints and all of the other great people speaking about soccer knowledge out there. There's so many opportunities to continue to lift this game up going into 2026. 
There's plenty of ways to stay connected, but more to come on this in a future episode. And final question this week is what everyone wants to know. Who is going to win between France and Argentina? My original prediction had France in the final and Argentina losing to Brazil in the semifinal. However, here we are, and it should be one of the best final matches we have had in World Cup history. France versus Brazil back in 1998 was phenomenal. Brazil and Germany in 2002, Italy and France in 2006 was one of my favorites, Spain and Netherlands in 2010, Germany and Argentina, a golden goal with about six minutes left and extra time for Argent- or for Germany to win. They've been great, and we have been spoiled with some amazing matchups. And now we get to witness another one on Sunday. I think Messi is so determined. I think he wants this more than anyone I have ever seen. What he did against Croatia, and if you haven't seen the third goal that he set up, go watch a video of it. He has just willed his country to victory time and time again. He is ready for this moment. France are the defending champions, and they have world-class players in every position on the pitch. They know what it takes to be a world champion. Mbappe is going to be tough for the Argentinian defense to slow down. He is nearly impossible to stop, and he just needs a split second in order to make something happen. I think there will be goals. Ultimately, I think France is getting tired. I think Argentina had their opening day scare with their loss against Saudi Arabia and have learned from it. I'm going to say Argentina 3, France 2, Messi finally lifts the trophy and walks away from the international game as a world champion. All right, on to my final thoughts of the week, and it's a pretty heavy one. During the Argentina-Netherlands quarterfinal match, American soccer journalist Grant Wall had a medical emergency and unfortunately did not survive and passed while in Qatar. According to his wife this week, Grant died from an undetected aortic aneurysm at the age of 49. For those that didn't know Grant, and maybe for those that didn't agree with a lot of things Grant did or even stood for, he was a true pioneer for soccer journalism in the U.S. He was the first of our kind. He was reporting for Sports Illustrated when I was in middle school and became a big reason why I couldn't wait for a new magazine to come out so that I could learn about players on the national team or about MLS. He created a platform for today's mainstream media members that has allowed us to create content and share knowledge with the soccer world. And again, whether you agreed with a lot of the things that Grant wrote about or who he supported coaching-wise, player-wise, etc., he genuinely put his heart and soul into what he did. He helped others along the way. He stood up for what he believed is right and did it in a very caring and thoughtful way. I never got the chance to meet Grant or to speak with him personally. I wish I had. I would have loved to explore his experience and learn from him. He saw the good in others and did whatever he could to help them, even if it didn't help himself. I know a lot of the current media world, social media world, maybe didn't see eye to eye with a lot of things. And I saw a lot of arguments with Grant over his opinions. But what I will say, over the past week, there has been a lot of love, a lot of respect shown, a lot of putting aside differences and respecting this man who paved the way for others to try to accomplish their goals and dreams, which is so important to remember, especially this time of year. There's so much going on in the world, 
And it's great to see people putting things aside and realize that there are more important things in life than arguing with one another over a sport or an opinion. Grant truly was a pioneer and will greatly be missed. And in a non-soccer tangent off of this, it's just another reminder that life is fragile and you truly have to remember life is short. You really never know what can happen, when things can happen, and who all can be affected. Just this week, we lost another celebrity to suicide with Twitch taking his own life. He was well known for being a DJ for The Ellen Show, for his dancing, and him and his wife created a lot of content. He also leaves behind not only his wife, but three kids. And why do I bring this up, you may ask? This has nothing to do with soccer. It's just a simple reminder that you never know what people are going through. Even if it appears all is well on the outside, you just never know internally what is going on with others. I've said this before, and I will continue to say it again. Reach out to others. Check in on them. Make sure they're okay. And just make sure people know that they're loved. Life is just too short. All right, well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. And be sure to tune in to what should be a spectacular World Cup final on Sunday between France and Argentina. There is also a third place match for Morocco and Croatia as well on Saturday. Special thanks again to Mad Mole Brewing for being the beer feature this week. Again, if you are in the Wilmington, North Carolina area, be sure to check them out. Please continue to share Soccer Pints with others and follow Soccer Pints on Instagram and Twitter. Just a quick update for everyone before we we log off. We will be taking a week off next week to celebrate the Christmas holiday, but will return before the end of the year in what will be the 40th episode of Soccer Pines. So enjoy the holidays, and until next time, cheers, my friends.